Welcome back to Sparrow Talk Presents. We're now at the final, the last episode of Series 3. And today we're going to be talking about equalizers. Maybe you'd like to say hello, Tom. Hiya. Graham. Oh, hi, Keith. Oh, hey. Interesting to see you here in a room talking about equalizers. Maybe you could tell us a little. This is not called equalizers. Oh, I'm going to have to recalculate. Did you really think? I thought this was a gag. Uh, I thought it'd be a payoff. It's cool, yeah. Mm, equaliser. <laughs> well, no, every episode is about a different type of equaliser. First one, graphics equaliser. Second one, <laughs> that kind of pressurisation thing you do when you come up from the deep. And so on and so forth. Best football equalisers. Football equalisers, yeah. Late score. Mm. Equaliser. Now Graham's probably going to tell us about more of those. Yeah, I am. Well, one in particular. The equaliser. Which one was Except it? no imitations. Um, okay. It's a, an American, American crime drama series uh, from the 80s, starring Edward Woodward, which is fun to say, as the eponymous The Equalizer. Or, to give him his real name, Robert McCall. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I think Keith might have more to say. I'm not passing back yet. Don't pull that face at me. Uh, but. Um, from what we gather, watch, having watched a few episodes, McCall is making up for some kind of past guilt or misdemeanours in his um, slightly shady career. So, uh, to atone, he puts adverts in uh, newspapers in New York City to... Hey, I'm walking here! Uh, thank you. Uh, to help those folks who are uh, in trouble up against it, uh, need a bit of assistance from somebody with his particular surf skills. It was shown in this country on ITV, uh, and it ran for four seasons between 1985 and 1989. One of the more noticeable things about The Equalizer, something we'll pick up on in a bit, was the sheer volume (laughs) (laughs) of guest actors who featured in it throughout the years. There was a young, very young, Macaulay Culkin, a young, very young, Melissa Joan Hart, a less young, but still quite young, Sam Rockwell, Christian Slater... And a number of musicians, again, of which more later. Um, good bit of trivia, sticking with guest actors. Tim Woodward, Edward Woodward's son, appeared in The Equalizer. Guess who he played? His son? No, the opposite, his dad. His dad's son? No, it's just his dad. Yeah. What, in a flashback? Yeah, in a flashback. It'd be weird if it wasn't one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think his son's dad. Um... <laughs> Yeah, okay. Or a young him, he could have got a could have been, could have could young, him, young him. But it was actually his dad. Um, it's quite a dark show. We're able to go into this, and it's set in New York, as I said. Uh, I thought this was interesting, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, people will remember or have heard about how um, dangerous New York was in the 80s. Yeah, I, think I remember. This probably um, is why. The show was set there, and why it does have quite a kind of dark, seedy, dangerous tone to it. Um, it was kind of it was the murder capital of the world back in the eighties, in the late eighties. Two thousand three hundred murders a year, which is a lot. It's now only about two hundred and fifty. So um, still more well than more than all. ideal. Isn't it's not it? more <laughs> ideal. I think it's less than London. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah London's yeah. overtaken it. So um, get your own house. What about Midsummer? Yeah, I think that's about that one, isn't it? Um, so yeah I think it was probably very um, on the money when it went out uh, playing on the fears of the people who lived there and public perceptions of the city at the time um, do I do a Lindhurst number now? I think I, I tend to uh, yes you do do yes. you want to have a guess? 14 it's never been that high why would you say 14? that's the end of the series have a go why not? Right. play with the system 15 <laughs> Tom's closest no. No, he's not. Oh. Uh, it's one. Edward Woodard and Nicholas Lindhurst both appeared. The new tricks. No. That's what that, I thought that as well. The bill? Mm, Nicholas Lindhurst. Play for today. I'm not sure either of them in the bill. I think, I think Woodward, Woodward did rounds later on. I think they did do play for today, but I didn't want to go. I mean, that just feels like a cop-out. So I managed to find another one. Gulliver's Travels. The Ted Danson. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They were both in that. Were they? I can't remember. Lindhurst was in that. He was. He was. Man alive. Really and truly. I think the director, Charles Sturridge, uh, has a soft spot for him because, um, as I've talked about before, Lindus was in the f- 
motion picture film Lassie. Oh, where he mm. beats a dog up. Yeah. 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 I don't know if he does that in this. Gulliver's Travels. Um, it's written into most remember. contracts that he has to, to be, be a dog. dog up. Yeah. Some <laughs> sort of canine. Doesn't have to be a dog. Yeah, he doesn't what exist. Are are Wolf. Yeah, let's do that. Coyote. Yeah, fine. Could do a western. <laughs> I'd love to see him doesn't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stetson instead of his baseball cap. <laughs> uh, well, I'm about done. Um, Keith, why don't you do your bit? I don't understand which bit you mean. Unless you're talking about origins. 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 You must be talking about origins. Well, let's talk about episode one. Beginnings. Is that what it's called? No, I can't remember what I it's think, called. I think it's called the Equaliser, isn't it? Yeah, right, then it's fine. So Robert McCall doesn't really go by Robert McCall in the, in the first episode. He's much uh, more secret, secretive ah. about his name. He says, let's not worry about that name business. Let's just avoid that. Um, okay. But it, it starts not that unlike Pie in the Sky, insofar as he has an mm. arrangement with his previous employer about doing your job for them when it suits them. Much, much like Pie in the Sky, as you mm. remember. He was allowed to go and chef. But sometimes you had to go back and police. Mm. Ian Pye, we're talking about. Ian Pye from Pie in the Sky. This is Ian Equaliser. <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Equaliser. <laughs> um, yeah, so his his beginnings aren't entirely clear. Uh, we know that he was some sort of intelligence operative, probably for the Americans. It, uh, they, they say that he worked in Vietnam, Africa, Cent- Central America. But as Graham alluded to, New York is a real good way to warfare. Yeah. There's nothing compared yes. to New York. Um, he drives a Jaguar XJ8. It's not really important, but it's quite a nice car, Doesn't isn't it? Ian Pye drives something like that? Ian Pye starts out driving a Saab 900. Uh, he, he might change to something later on. Okay, I, I thought they had quite a fancy car. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. He, he puts an advert in the local papers because he quits his job as an intelligence operative of some sort. Um, apparently that was something that shouldn't be possible. You can't really quit from the particular government job that he had. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did it anyway. Mm. Um, so yeah, he planned to spend his life just just trying to help people out. Mm. And it seems like he never takes money for it. Because he's got a guilty conscience? Because he's got red in his ledger, would you say? Quite possibly. Yeah. Who knows what goes on behind oh. that set of leather gloves he wears. Is he really wealthy? I don't know, I mean, I suppose it's fairly lucrative, is it? The Equalising good business. E- Equalising yeah. American government problems. Um, so yeah, the first few episodes, you know, he helps a couple of people out who happen to see his advert in the paper. No biggie. No biggie, that's fine. Um, but to draw another comparison, mm. if you'd let me, Tom. Uh, yeah, please, Tom. Please, Tom. Let, let, me, let me draw another comparison. It's a bit like The Prisoner. Yeah. In fact, he could be the prisoner because uh, he has a conversation with his former employee, employer, sorry, who describes him as a red flag in terms of danger and risk to the American government because he knows too much. And so, you know, usually they have to kill those people or, you know, make sure they stay in employ. Um, and yeah, the, the, the backstory to number six and the prisoner, of course, is that he's put in the village because he knows too much. And also, you know, they want to find out why he resigned. So why don't they try and off McCall? Why don't they try and well, I mean, take that's him down? Certainly implied. Is it okay? Uh, Im- implicitly, if not explicitly. But um, in the end, his old employer says we managed to downgrade you from a red flag to a yellow flag on the condition that you still do some jobs for us, do a bit of cooking on the side. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Making his metaphorical hollandaise sauce. Yeah, making some real eggs benedict. Mm. All over your face. Make sure it doesn't turn into an eggs royale. Yeah. Don't really know what I mean there. Um, so yeah, that's that's Origins. And then he just keeps doing it, doesn't he? But he doesn't take money. Keeps equalising. Keeps equalising, yeah. Yeah. Do you think the equaliser's got a good work-life balance? That's nice. Mm-hmm. Just come with that. Yeah. Very okay, good. That's not. It's not bad. That's a travel and his base. Yeah. One mm. one kilohertz. My dad's uh, Technic Sci-Fi had a graphic equaliser on it. See, another one is next week. So, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you tell us about the episodes we watched? Of course, I'd be happy to. Um. So 
first episode we watched was season two, episode 22. This being an American show, mm. the seasons being much longer than the thing we're... I think there are 88 episodes in total. Crikey. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. So, re-entry was the name of the episode. And much like Space Precinct, Mm. it opens with a preview of what's coming up in the next 40 minutes or so before powering into the title sequence. And power is the right word. With a fantastic title theme composed by none other than... Stuart Copeland, a.k.a. the drummer from The Police. More on him later. Indeed. I enjoyed the theme tune. Mm. It's quite sort of futuristic, sci-fi, it is. dystopian sounding. It reminded me a bit of, if you'll let me, Tom, John Carpenter. <laughs> Do that. He did a film called Escape from New York, mm. which tonally I didn't think was a million miles away from this. Mm. Mm. Well, on the subject of dystopias, mm. the, the title sequence itself it, Shows some quite, um, yeah, paints New York in quite a gritty light. Yeah, nobody's it's, safe. It looks, yeah, it looks very unsafe. Um, anyway, it's snowing in New York City, and a pre Roseanne John Goodman is making his way through Ooh. the snow. Yes. When, bang, or something, some noise. He's abducted by some fellas, basically. And it turns out that he owes one of these fellas, uh, Slate is his name, he owes him some money. Um, So he's been out of, I think he's been out of work for some time and took an unwise loan from this Slate character. And Slate wants his money back, basically, and he uh, shares quite an uncompromising glimpse of Hal's future, explaining what will happen if he doesn't end up working for him. And all scenarios end up with Hal either dead or in prison. And his beloved son, Chris, in a foster home. Um, He then pushes Hal out of the car into the snow, face first. Mm, That's right. Um, And at that point, Chris comes out of school, I think. And uh, noticing his dishevelled, snow-caked appearance, infers that Hal has been fighting Rocky from the film. That's right. Rocky. Which was out around that sort of time, I would imagine. Rocky was way earlier. Uh, it would have been A-Rocky. Uh, um, uh, yeah, A-Rocky would... Um, probably Rocky 4, I think. Uh, yeah, was 85, 85, wasn't it? 85, Rocky 84, beats yeah. communism. Yeah. yeah. Single-handedly. So the equaliser, a.k.a. Robert McCall, a.k.a. Edward Woodward, it's fun to say, right? Yeah, enjoy it. Um, is going for a nighttime stroll with Mickey Kostmeyer, who um, seems to be his link to his former boss, Control. Is that right? Yes. So he is the man who downgraded him from red mm. to yellow flag. I assume Control was a common title in the spy business because it reminded me of Tinker Tailor. It's in Tinker Tailor, isn't it? You can, certainly. So, Cosmire gives him a letter which presumably contains the details of his next mission, but McCall is adamant he's going on holiday. Is that what it was? I think so, yeah. So this must have led back to the old yellow flag business. Yeah. So got to do some work for us. Yeah. Anyway, Hal and his son Chris um, go back to their flat and they have some strange high-tech intruder alarm yeah. installed. Oh, yeah. So Hal goes to a bar with his friend George and George's partner Joan, who Hal seems to have eyes for. He reveals that um, through conversation he's a... Well, it's revealed to us, the audience, that he's a security specialist, which might go some way to explaining the sophisticated alarm setup. Yeah, yeah. No um, and he starts lamenting over previous decisions he's made, and he gets quite um, melancholy. Melancholy, even going as far as to suggest to Joan that she should look after Chris should anything happen mm. to him. And in the, in the very next scene, he's sealing his last will and testament in an envelope and holding a loaded revolver to his Ooh. chest, but he can't quite no. bring himself to pull the trigger. Um, Chris, this is all very sad. Chris hears his father sobbing and um, suspects something up when he goes to investigate and finds the gun and the will. So um, he knows something's up and he follows him, his dad, to... Um, a rendezvous with the man from earlier, Slate, who slips Hal some money. And it's um, yeah, quite clear there's some wrongdoings yeah, about some to be dealings. wrong done. Um, and he goes to an electronic shop. Uh, so Chris calls 
uh, McCall on his car phone. I know, it's pretty uh, futuristic. So this is why I asked about if he's earning, if he's doing all right. Because he drives a Jaguar and he's got a car phone. Yeah, I read on Wikipedia he's doing all right. Right. Yeah, good. Um, Cost my answers and yeah, finds out Chris needs help. Chris has this interesting winter headgear, which is like a fleece bandana. Have you seen these? Mm. It's sort of like... Google it. Yeah, it's yeah, sort of cool. The top of his head is exposed, but his brow is warm. <laughs> which well, seems t- times were tough. Yeah. Oh, you think they couldn't afford a whole hat? A whole hat. Yeah. That's, that's good you one do lose 80% of your body heat through your forehead. That's not true. That's <laughs> yeah, actually another myth. Partially true. It's a factoid. Um, McCall goes to Chris and Hal's place um, while a man played by... David Johansson from the New York Dolls. Really? Yeah, oh, he's yeah. the henchman. I didn't uh, know that. Watches from a nearby phone booth. David Johansson also was in Mr. Nanny, starring Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, of course. Which is not a good film, and I wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Um, I went to the pictures to see it as a kid. Did you? Because you were a Hulk Hogan lover. Big, big yeah. Hulk Hogan lover. Yeah. Not one of his lovers, that's different. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Um, so Hal is on his way back home and he's suddenly abducted um, by David Janssen of the New York Dolls and I think another fella um, and they let down the tyres of McCall's Jaguar so that they can't be followed yeah. so Hal goes with Slate to scope out some place he wants to rob and it turns out it's Hal's former place of work and Slate reveals that there's a way in underground mm. um so what happens? McCall goes to the electronic shop from earlier, staffed by a young bespectacled Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Um, Steve Buscemi and John Goodman would later share the screen in. Terminator. Uh, Monsters Inc. I think that is true. That I is actually, true. I think a few times yeah. they share the screen. Well, I wasn't thinking of that one. I was thinking of the Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, but they were both in Monsters Inc. Yeah, well, I can't argue with that. John Goodman was in West Wing. Mm. Yeah. As was Christian Slater. As was Bradley Whitford. Who's All Bradley who Whitford? have starred in The Equalizer. Was Bradley Whitford in The Equalizer? Yeah. Who's Bradley Whitford? He's, you know, Josh. Josh, yeah. Lovable Josh. In The West Wing? Yeah. yeah. I've not seen it. Bradley White comes up. That's what I'm saying. Um, so Archie, Steve Buscemi, um, McCall pays him for more for information. And Archie reveals um, that he sold Hal a machine which gets the codes off security access mm. cards. Mm. Um, and he also reveals that he's enlisted someone to steal a security access card. Cut to a happening night spot where Stuart Copeland from the police yeah. is uh, dancing his way through the crowd and picking uh, picking someone's pocket as he goes. Um, basically stealing the access card off this club goer. Police and thieves. Um, nice. Thank you. It's like share, aren't you? I am like share in a way, yeah. <laughs> he, um, but Stuart Copeland from the police is intercepted by McCall, who is sitting in Archie's van. Yeah. Um, I thought Copeland does a good American accent, and then he is American. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I assume the whole police were all Brits. No, no, he's a. Mm. He might be the only American. Okay. I don't know much about them. Who's the third place? I want to say... I don't know, actually. No. That's what I never know. I don't know. I was going to say Gordon Sumner, but that, that's actually just Sting's real name. Sting. <laughs> In some ways, they were a marriage, weren't they? Yeah. Um, uh, then Hal arrives at the van where McCall is stationed, and um, McCall sort of convinces Hal to carry on with the heist. Um, for yeah, yeah, just seems like the best option. Yeah, doesn't he have to convince, keep convincing Slate that he's working for him? Otherwise, Slate will be onto him and will do something awful to him and or his son. Yes, yes, catch them in the act. Uh, yeah, something like that. It. So, how tells McCall that the reason they're so the pl- his place of work is called Kemurk, I think. Chemic, which is C H E M E R C. Chemic. Yeah, I'm not sure what the uh, portmanteau, Erk. Um, the provenance of that portmanteau is. Um, but he, he stopped saying Erk. Um, 
Hal basically says uh, Slate and his crew are after a chemical that's being developed there. Um, anyway, he makes a duplicate card for McCall. Um, so McCall formulates a plan. He's going to intercept the heist. So, meanwhile, Chris is being uh, babysat by George of George and Joan fame. <laughs> yeah, I know that's serious. <laughs> uh, and George is attacked in the street by David Johansson from the um, New York Dolls. New York Dolls. That's how he introduced himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, who seems to recognise George, which I thought was odd. I didn't pick up on that either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, he I says, like, it's... leave it, George, or something like oh, that. Or leave it, Hershey. Uh, yeah. And then he, he, he steals Chris away, kidnaps him. So McCall confronts George and during the confrontation it's revealed that George was in cahoots with Slate and he's manipulating Hal into doing the job for him. McCall really wallops George. Oh, not off. Nasty backhand slap, isn't it? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. Because he calls McCall a liar, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah nobody calls McCall a liar. It gives him a, quite a vicious dressing down. It certainly yeah. does, doesn't he? Um, so back at um the heist is in action. Um... But McCall sneaks into another building and finds Chris tied up. I think George fed him information about yes, where Chris right. was. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out the hot heist involves stealing plutonium. Well, not just a chemical. No. But plutonium. Plutonium. It's big. Much to the surprise of Hal. Um, before the robbery um, can be like, carried out, McCall breaks in and shoots Slade. It's very unceremonious like, yeah, ending, yeah. isn't it? He just sort of pops in. Kills him. Kills him. And that's, that. and that's it. Yeah. Um, and then Hal and Chris are reunited. The police are there, not just Stuart Copeland's police. The police are there with the um, thingy, McCall, aren't they? Yeah. I so McCall so. has licence to kill. That's someone else. <laughs> yeah. He's he an arrangement, does, isn't he? Despite the fact he's obviously a vigilante, he yeah. has quite a good working relationship with the police. Well, I think mm-hmm. private investigators have a weird status in America, don't they? Whereas here they don't really... They're just yeah. people who Can snoop. Can get away with killing? Dr. Bounty Hunter suggests he kills. I was just talking about him with someone else before. You and I had a chat about him the other week. Dr. Bounty. Yeah, I was confusing with Hulk Hogan, do you remember? Yeah, this this came out because someone uh, I was talking to earlier just watched Sharknado The Fourth Awakens, which is the fourth film in the Sharknado franchise. And they said, um, oh, yeah, there's a wrestler in it, and they showed me a picture, and it's like, it's it's Dr. Bounty Hunter. He just looks looks like like a wrestler. Yeah. Um, Another one of your wrestlers died this week, didn't it? Jim the Anvil Nightheart, I know. Yeah. That'll date this podcast, this episode. Yeah, well, I thought it'd be like a nice tribute. Yeah. In loving memory of. R.I.P. Jim the but, Anvil but then Nightheart. Dog the Bounty Hunter killed someone and, and didn't get away with it. Didn't get away with it? No, five years away. Was yeah. this before he was Dog the Bounty Hunter? Yeah, this is back in Perhaps the. Perhaps if you put. Oh. If you use the suffix Bounty Hunter, you can just do oh, it as well. Uh, bounty Hunter. Bang. Oh. <laughs> That's fine, clemency. Yeah. <laughs> but now he, uh, his whole family are bounty hunters, isn't it? Yeah. Of which he is the patriarch. Dog. Bounty hunter and sons. Puppy. <laughs> Can't think of any other. No, I'm struggling. Anyway, the episode sort of wraps up with Hal and Chris being reunited. Um, seemingly without any yeah, repercussions for Hal. He seems to get off. Yeah, he's got his life back. Yeah. Maybe he'll go and cop it off with Joan. Hopefully, because yeah, there there was a, I think maybe they had a relationship and then yeah. when George just no, John Goodman's life took a dark, a downward turn. Uh, George kind of moved in on it. I think that's exactly yeah. what happened. Well, George was the architect of John Goodman's downfall. It's mm. from Spectre, isn't it? The architect of all your pain. Oh uh, yes, you're right. Uh, Christopher Fultz. Not Sorry, it's not, it's not yeah, a good really. film. I've been listening to a podcast about Spectre. Spectre, yeah. Yeah, I struggled with it. But then it's hard to follow old uh, Skyfall. I've seen that one. Oh. It's good enough. No. I liked it. Um, I liked it. <laughs> Tell me, we talked months ago about whether or not um, James Bond is one person. Oh, don't go people. down this bit. Yeah, yeah. This is the amateurs. Theory. I found a blog ages ago about it. Do you mean amateur? This is my theory. Well, it's one person. If I've heard it before, it's a code from, name. From other I know. Non-watchers. I didn't realise that I, I wasn't the first. I thought I was odd to something. But you've independently come up with it, so yeah. you deserve something. Thank for, you. For that. Um, I can't try to find some evidence for and against, but I haven't really thought this through. Well, I imagine. That's all right. We can come back to we'll it. Come back. But okay, we'll come back to it. Um, sorry, let me just check the post. Oh. oh what is it? 
I've covered it. That's a lot of heavy. Should I be? Oh, okay, let's not. Okay, look, it's a postcard from Lindhurst. Oh, yeah. They, who's, sent, who's they sent one this week. <laughs> Who, who's it from? Yeah. Um, it's it's the one we didn't get last week. We got one last week. I just the 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 Okay. okay. <laughs> well, you can see Keeve and I's face are both waiting for particular facts, but go on. The people... The people... I don't know why you're still pretending to have a face card. That's well, not no one's pretending. benefit, but your own. The people of Lindhurst also know a thing or two about dragons. <laughs> gold. Keep going. Yeah. With the legendary Bistern dragon reportedly slain outside the town. Its corpse eventually turned into a hill. <laughs> <laughs> now known as Bolton's Bench. I really thought this feature had probably uh, met its demise, but oh, actually, you've, you've read it, that was the best yet. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go, dragons. In Hampshire, like of all places. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, thanks, Mayor of Lynnhurst, or whoever sends those to you. Always sign with a kiss, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. It's, a bit, it's getting a bit much. Um, are you ready for reasons why Bond isn't? Okay. I feel say, like this is a bit of a deviation, but then yeah, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Um, when Laserby takes on the part in Her Majesty's Secret Service, the movie opens with Bond resigning and cleaning out his desk. He pays a particular amount of attention to props from the previous films. However, if he was a different person, those items would be meaningless. Right. I mean, also, was... Blofeld is recognised by Bond. No. Well, he also says this never. <laughs> I mean, Telly Savannah wasn't both up before, so it makes no sense. But yeah, that's true. Um, he also says this never happened to the other guy. Yeah, but wouldn't that well, be? Yeah, that, that's that, an that argument that for. Yeah, it is. Theory, I'm supporting that? your argument. Yeah, support Tom's for. argument. I'm trying. To... But when you say he's paying particular attention to those items, is he is he like like looking at them wistfully, remembering yeah, the time? Like he, or was he going like, who left this? You left this gold finger here. Or this gold? Yeah. What's this Doctor No doing in my yeah. job? Um, Roger Moore's Bond is confronted quite bluntly about his marriage by Anya Asmazova. That's nice. Uh, in the Spy Who Loved Me, and he responds quite strongly about it. Later, he's seen visiting his wife's grave in fear eyes only. But this event occurred to the Lazenby Bond. Basically, what that's saying is Roger Moore is oh. clearly hung up over the death of his wife, but actually, it was George Lazenby who married that woman. Keith, please. Further. Uh-huh. Tim Dalton in Licence to Kill yeah. he is thrown a garter with a recently wed bride's leg and he doesn't really want it he looks a little bit upset when he catches it mm. and he, he wanders off saunters off to his car and the bride says to her new husband did I say something wrong? and Felix replies he was married once Referring also to, to Lazenby's bud. Okay. So it's not an idea without some credence, but mm. there are holes in it. Yeah, there's a well, real clear water revival in there as well, isn't there? Uh, come off it. Uh, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's good. Um, I, I've just had that on my list of things to talk about for about That's six good. weeks, so I just yeah, had to get good. out in the open. I mean, yeah, I mean... It's fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. No. Della. That was the bride's name. So it's just come back to me. Della? Yeah, that's Felix's new wife. Who's Felix? Felix Leiter. It's a long-term, long-term Bond ally from mm. the American CIA. Oh, okay. Um, shall we move on to the next episode? Yeah, why not? Well done. Okay, season three, episode nine. Inner view. Yeah, inner view. In a view. In a view. A lady, Karen Alden, hmm? has a vision... In which she sees another lady. That lady is dead. <laughs> um, she hears the words, she's too good to die. Yeah, I think someone does. Does a policeman say that? I don't it's not something a policeman would say. <laughs> especially in New York. And she sees uh, the number 1619, mm. 1619, yeah, 1619. repeated over and over. Um, and then she wakes up and she's in a police station. Mm. And it turns out um, she's led the police to that particular crime scene. Or is this the t- crime scene that's coming? 
Coming. Sorry, I'm she's getting ahead of myself. Coming. Coming. Well, so she. She's seen the next. Basically, time. yeah, she's a she's clairvoyant. A she's yeah. clairvoyant. <laughs> she's clairvoyant. <laughs> so uh, McCall is also in the police station, um, and he's having quite an exposition-heavy conversation with a police lieutenant. No, well, lieutenant, New York. <laughs> yeah, mm. in the middle of the police station, where he reveals quite a lot of intimate details about the scrapbook killer, which I thought was kind of an inappropriate conversation to be having at some volume in yeah. the middle of a busy police precinct. But hey, I think we would have some tact. Given you think his you would? Past career. Yeah. So, Karen Alden, um, the clairvoyant, has another vision, and she sees the serial killer strike again. But she refrains from calling the police um, on account of the facts. An officer at the station told her she could be considered an accessory mm. if she does. I think that officer was sceptical of... Classified um, powers. Yeah, and yeah. How, how could this lady know where all these crimes are? Unless yeah. she was somehow... Anyway, instead she rifles through the paper and sees an ad for the equaliser. Um, and she calls him. Uh, so cost my Mickey Cosmo is gone at this point. Well, he's not around. He's not he's left not around. the series. Has he not? Okay. Mean, no. So Harley Gage. Yeah. Do you want to know an interesting? Do you want to know the real life story behind some of these? I'd like to. Yes. Past changes. So unfortunately, Edward Woodward had a heart attack. Oh, uh, I'm surprised. Around the time of the second season. Um, so in the third, and I think the fourth season, the final season, you see less of him. He, his workload. Uh, diminishes so they bring in Harley I can't remember the name of the actor Richard Jordan Richard Jordan thank you to lighten the load uh, on Edward Woodward but as somebody uh, some wag pointed out online um, how come they also he never seems to appear in the same episodes as Jimmy which seems I mean who's like, Jimmy Jimmy yeah the helper cost buyer Mickey whatever <laughs> Uh, it just—it seems odd that they bring someone else into the line of load on Woodward, but at the same time, yeah, diminish or uh, reduce the role for another one of the lead actors. I thought there might have been scheduling conflicts, but that makes more sense. Yeah. Also reminded me of some of the dynamic with the Doctor and some of his companions, uh, particularly the old, the older actors episodes. that have played. Oh no, I'm thinking about the older actors that oh. have played the Doctor. How they usually have a, um, a younger male companion yeah. to sort of do a lot of the particularly William Hartnell and Ian and Barbara interesting yeah, yeah 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 to do all the like fighting the heavy lifting the heavy lifting yeah. sometimes literally yeah yeah, uh, yeah. sort of reminds me of that no. good yeah what, what did you think of uh, Richard Jordan I didn't like him as much as Cosmo no, I didn't really yeah. I him a bit bland, bland. Yeah. it reminded me a bit of um, a very cut rate version of Willem Dafoe at times oh okay I think it's maybe his his voice sounds vaguely similar well, apparently he's he's quite an esteemed actor what him oh, oh that's a surprise <laughs> uh, old, I'm old, sure he is I, I'm Mickey being, Jordan I'm yeah. being uh, facetious my notes here say that he went to Harvard um, wow that acting school <laughs> the acting school of Harvard uh, yeah like off Harvard acting school yeah uh, Broadway actor um, he was also in The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox. With Michael J. Fox. Yeah, oh, really. Yeah, some other shit. So, um, the equaliser McCall assigns Harley to look after Karen. Yeah, and he's sceptical. Yeah, her abilities. Um, so, based on the details of a vision she's had, Harley ascertains that the crime scene must be in Brooklyn, based on like the placement of the Statue of Liberty yeah, in, her, in her vision. So they go to an old pier there, um, and they find a rat, but no corpse. They don't search very thoroughly. They don't, mm, really. To say. No. And she's as quick to give up as he is. Yeah. But anyway. But Cameron, upset um, by Harley's inference that she is some kind of charlatan, mm. uh, steals Harley's car. Another band? Still yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. But later on, Harley is in a bar watching the news where they announce that another um, woman, the, the body of another woman has been found um, and it's on the same pier yeah. where he and Karen were only a few hours previous. So they went there. There wasn't a body there, but that's not to say there wouldn't be a body there. So guess what they should have done is just stuck, just stuck around. Or yeah. stuck around. Yeah. Stuck around. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was just a case that it didn't look very hard, but you're saying that it happened after. I think it happened after, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, right. Fair enough. 
Um, so Karen reveals she's had clairvoyant abilities. She's twelve years old. She saw the death of her father before it happened, which is very disturbing, unpleasant. And Harley is very quick to kind of console. Yeah. Tell her it's not for. I found this scene all a bit laboured, really. Yeah. About you, but Harley's. I don't know. He just felt a little bit over the top. Mm. Mm. Um, I wasn't that bothered. Um. So Karen reveals she keeps seeing the numbers 16, 19 and hearing the word louder. Yeah. She also... Sorry, excuse me. She also keeps hearing a song with the lyrics Subway Shuttle in this town goes somewhere to somewhere. Mm. <laughs> Which turns out to be a song by the rock band mm. Archon. Yeah. Archon. Mm. Archon. Archon. Kemmerk. Yeah. Archon Digital um, Stereo. Karen thinks can sense that Archon are playing somewhere right this minute, which is odd because it's clearly the middle of the day. Mm. But um, they go and they find out that Archon are doing a closed rehearsal, <laughs> which is something that rock bands do, I guess. Look at that closed. <laughs> With a yeah. sign outside. Saying we're rehearsing. <laughs> Don't come in. Also, they had a flag or, or some sort of big sign that said Archon playing on Saturday, <laughs> which is... Yeah. Anyway... Um, the shadow of one of Archon's fans cast against the wall of the venue reminds Karen of a vision she keeps mm. seeing. And um, conveniently, Archon are playing their hit Shadow Man during all this. Yes. Um, which I guess is a song that features those lyrics about the subway shuttle. Absolutely, it does, yeah. Um, so she communicates this to Harley, who goes to confront this, this fan. The Shadow Man. The Shadow Man, um, who says to Karen, I'm coming for you, before running off with Harley in pursuit. Uh, she then has a premonition of the man shooting Harley, which sort of happens, but doesn't quite happen. I think he shoots and Harley manages to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. 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 Is that right? Chase. Yeah. Um, so Harley and Karen go to talk to Archon's charismatic frontman. Um, Are any of these... People famous or actual music. I looked up the guy who plays um, the Shadow Man um, was in Critters 1 through 4. Oh. He reminded me a bit of the killer in um, Twin Peaks. Have you seen Twin Peaks? Oh, Bob. Mm, yeah. yeah. But this, this episode reminded me a bit of Twin Peaks. I don't mm. kind of slightly cheesy. Like melodramatic. Melodramatic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but none of the band Archon were. Probably. No, but it turns out they know the the perp mm. um, Harley chased down earlier because um, he was doing some unsanctioned recording, so they actually have his address. Say bootlegs as well as murders. Yeah, yeah. What, what a so, piece of work! It's a real gateway crime, isn't it? Bootlegging. <laughs> um, so it turns out this guy's name is Carl Lauder, although Lauder is actually pronounced Louder. Ciao, dear. Ciao, um, so Harley and Karen go to Carl's flat and he's well I was writing the notes I said like, oh he set up quite an elaborate booby trap and then Harley dismisses it as a kindergarten booby trap so <laughs> I guess I'm easily impressed um, but it involves like a pulley system and a shotgun oh, on yeah. the back of a chair um, then they're looking it, around and he, he rings the phone doesn't he yeah yeah um, and Karen keeps hearing the word Jojo yeah and see, keeps seeing this number 1619 um, so Karen meets the other woman what does he say when he calls up he talks to Harley does he yeah you know, it's like you're with her tell her she's gonna buy it buy something done her some sort of threat yeah he was in a phone box just outside wasn't he that's right which yeah. is a, a theme in many mm. of the episodes a lot of heavy phone box use so Karen meets the other woman that Carl, Lord the Shadow Man, has attacked. And Karen's a video. A video. Oh, this is the one that McCall is uh, looking at. Yeah, McCall's here. Yeah, scene. yeah. Um, so Karen has a vision, which involves Shadow Man chasing someone through an abandoned subway car. But that someone turns out to be her. Yeah. So they formulate a plan which involves using Karen's vision as a sort of trap, I guess. Well, they know of, where it'll be. They will know so where it'll be, yeah. will prepare for that eventuality. So, Karen goes off as bait, I guess. Yeah. Carl follows, and Harley's also there. But Harley's car breaks down. Yeah, so, I mean, see. she drives on, doesn't she? She drives on. Well, well it's all a trap, stop. isn't it? Yeah. Well, 
Is it? Okay, I'll... Uh... Well, let's get come back to this. Right. No, because there's something later on involving a big rig that I didn't quite understand. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I didn't know if that's what you were alluding to. What's a big rig? Oh, like a big, big 18-wheeler truck. truck thing. A large, a large lorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. A large lorry. <laughs> we'll come back to it. Yeah. Two minutes we'll piece it together. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, so... Without anyone to protect her, um, Karen flees into a subway car, which has the word Jojo painted yeah. on the side, and she's pursued by the uh, shadow, by Shadow Man. Loud air. Loud air. Um, and it all looks very similar to yeah. the vision she's been having. Exactly the same. They obviously filmed this first. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but before um, Shadow Man could do anything, McCall and Harley surprise him, and McCall yet again just dispatches the villain. Like, do, no do all the episodes end like that? It was no. my question. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had the exact same question. You just kill everything. Really <laughs> yeah. I think so. I mean, certainly in the first episode, I think he shoots two, three people. Blimey. Yeah. And then there's something, there is something involving the driver of a large lorry. Yeah, I... Who McCall mm. pays off, I think, or... Yeah. No, McCall well, says, to, can I give you anything for your trouble? But I wasn't quite clear on what the what trouble he'd gone to. Well, he pulled out, he blocked the road. So... So he blocked, he blocked the road, meaning that, um, I've already forgotten, the clairvoyant mm. had to pull off to the subway uh, subway car. Oh. As did the bad, but I don't know why. She would have done it anyway, but I thought she was in on the trap. Well... Yeah. I, I thought Harley was. was just pretending to break down. I don't think he was, because he got there quite late, didn't he? Yeah, but I thought the idea was I'm make sure. her look vulnerable so that the Shadow Man would chase her. I can see the look in your faces that I've not got this right. No, I don't know. I didn't actually know it was a trap. So, oh, okay. I mean, uh, obviously Edward Woodward, sorry, Robert McCall. The equaliser. The equaliser wanted him to stop there yeah. so that he could lay in wait. But I don't know if he filled in on the else on that. But also, why would he need to? Because... She knew she was heading for a subway siding because mm. that's where they identified. Yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't make any sense. Does it? Anyway, um, it ends with the reveal that the subway car is number sixteen ninety, yeah. oh. and Karen comes to appreciate that her ability is a gift, mm. not a curse. Not a curse. And that's it. So I should say, sorry, the reason we chose this um, episode is because we've already, uh, this season, we've already spoken about a um, clairvoyant. a clairvoyant and a authority figure. That, didn't, that Basically, that Pie in the Sky episode mm, was, very, was kind of similar. But yeah, yeah. Uh, he's more sceptical throughout, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Ian Pye. Mm. Uh, whereas Harley, I suppose understandably, yeah. but as soon as he sees that news clip, he's like, Hook line is in because she's a sidekick and wants to know everything about it, and um, it's fully on board. Whereas mm. the Empire is a bit more <laughs> reticent, isn't it? Yeah, I guess Karen's not capitalizing on it, is she? Because she's unlike, um, uh, what's her name, Faith Ravel. Yeah, well, 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 thanks. <laughs> um, unlike her, um, she wasn't like you know doing big yeah. sellout shows or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Faith Ravel sold her. She, she went to the papers and she, she, she found out she was being harassed or threatened. Yeah. So, yeah, some differences, some similarities. In, in, in both cases, the cynics were wrong, weren't they? Like the, mm. the psychics were proved to be correct, which I don't understand how that flies. I mean, obviously, there's no such thing. Yeah, that surprised me as well. They both seem quite. Well, this one's quite a gritty, show. I thought Pine mm. Sky was a fairly down to earth kind of. Not given to their sorts of flights. No, yeah. those pies were real. Pie in the sky. And indeed, the sky. The sky was real. Yeah. Would would I think it might just been his voice, but it did remind me of Richard Griffiths a little bit. Maybe it's a slightly yeah. authoritative figure. Mm, uh, a little bit junky. <laughs> Not quite to the same degree. Yeah. Is uh, he? He's sort of heavy set. Stocky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess so. I don't know if Edward would would. Would yeah, I don't know if it, if he really worked in the series. Like he just didn't seem. He's very good. I just don't think he fits in mm. an American gritty. Really, I thought it was American. kind of interesting. I think if he'd just been yeah. a run of the mill New York, New York, kind of like Ross from Friends, like Ross from Friends, mm. the DJ, uh, it wouldn't have been. 
quite so distinct. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as interesting, or you wouldn't have had that, that juxtaposition, I suppose. But I don't know. Yeah, it's, it didn't quite sit right. Mm. Like dipping a chocolate finger into a soup rather than a stick of bread or a bread finger. What's a bread finger? Bread stick? Yeah, fine. Oh. Do you dip breadsticks in soup? No, I don't. But I was trying to think of a thing that looks similar. Croutons? I'm sticking with soldiers, but you wouldn't put them in soup, you, would you? Well, I suppose you could cut your bread into a soldier-esque shape. At least a, a corner. A I, I corner. quite liked Edward Woodward in it. I wish... And there's a glimpse in the, the first episode we watched where he... he Toast. Gets, Sorry. Carry on. He gets quite hands-on with um, George Hershey. Yeah. Um... And I would have liked to have seen more. And also, um, Steve Buscemi's character, Archie, as well, yeah, where yeah. he's twisting mm, his arm. Literally. Literally, literally yeah. yeah. Literally, that's great. So I would have liked to have seen a bit more of that. Maybe there is more of that in the early seasons. Um, yeah, in some ways, it's just a shame that we didn't choose two episodes which are Woodward heavy, but I think we probably got... Um, I didn't know, Graham. I didn't know. Hey, I'm not pointing the finger. Short change is what Graham was thinking. No, well, I was going to say, I think, actually, what by, by not doing that, we got a... Uh, Fair representation of the equaliser, yeah. both pre and post heart attack. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I felt like I was shortchanged, but I didn't know about the heart attack, yeah. so I, I feel less aggrieved towards Woodward and the series in general. Mm. If you'd let me, Tom, um, could I draw another comparison? Please, Tom. Please, Tom, go on. Yeah, uh, this was largely when um, Robert McCall was offering that big rig driver a payoff. That <laughs> face is something. Um, reminded me a bit of multi based television show Juice oh. yeah, in uh, the do the do gooding for no money. Obviously, Juice House a little less gritty. Doesn't he have a job? Doesn't He's he a Yeah. Doesn't he get paid for that though? Yeah. So um, does do gooding for no money. He doesn't. He he does things which are extracurricular. Okay. Um, why has he got jurisdiction in the mean, on the mean streets of Chicago? I can't quite remember. Oh, he doesn't. He's like a he's like an attaché to an uh, Canadian consulate. So he's a consultant, sort of. Yeah, he kind of consults with a Chicago detective, right? Ray Vecchio. Um, but yeah, he's not paid to do that. He sort of does it out of hours, really. I forgot it was in Chicago. It's sort of like a Canadian crocodile Dundee, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually all shot in Toronto. Um, oh, uh, but set in set in Chicago. I'd like to watch that again. Yeah. Well, I can I can sort you out with that. Oh, you've got the DVDs? I've got them all. Wow. If you line up the uh, the three series box sets, you get a little picture across the spine. Diefenbecker? No, it's actually a compass. Um, Shiny compass. Is Dief- it aged well? Diefenbecker was the pet. Was it um, wolf. Uh, Alas- Alaski? Well, Alaska. it's meant to be wolf, part wolf. Okay. I think it's more. Like White Fang. Yeah, I mean, White Fang was different though, because I think they had to send him away, didn't they? White Fang, you'd be free. No, I don't want you, White Fang. It's Harry and the Hendersons, isn't it? That as well, yeah. Uh, Lot of comparisons. Favourite line, favourite character? Oh, yeah, favourite line. Uh, I have one. Mm. Uh, well, it's actually... Uh, I've, I've, I've stretched the definition of favourite line a little bit to include two characters. Okay. This is from the second... Well, the first episode you two watched. Yeah. Um, so, shouldn't we tell the police... And then Robert McCall says, yes, if you want how to spend the next few years in prison. And he says, no, that's the last thing I want. <laughs> and then he replies, oh, you must care for him very much. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want him to go to prison. <laughs> that's the, I forgot what her name was. Joan. Well, Joan, yeah. So I'll cover that. Character. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Archie. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Fair choice. Just because he's young. Um, my favourite line is actually a lyric from the song Shadow Man cool. um, the sign in the window says everything must go the place went out of business a thousand years ago <laughs> that was a long time ago <laughs> I think somebody was taking the sign down there that's a ballsy line yeah. yeah I quite liked Archon's sound did you I thought yeah. you might yeah. shame that fictional Copeland might have been behind it maybe masquerading as a yeah. hair rock musician yeah. uh, favourite character um, Robert McCall Hands down, I enjoyed him. I thought it was good. What about you, old Tom? So, got two favourite lines. I can't really decide which one. Same both. Really? The first one was, I think, more the delivery than anything. When McCall is at his most threatening, and he says, "I'm going to take you apart piece by nasty little." 
piece, no, okay, and it's like really like venomous and quite quite scary actually. It's like quite watching scary. a British gangster film. Yeah, but I think my I, th- I just thought that was noteworthy for the performance. But I think my favourite line is um, actually when Harley's talking about Karen, and McCall sort of asked him, "Well, what do you think?" And he says, "I think she's the valedictorian of the space academy." That means she's a bit cooking. Like a space cadet, but like uh, plus. Yeah. Basically implying that her elevator doesn't go all the way to the top. Oh, right. you just said that, we got yeah. it. Nice. And my favourite character was Shadow Man. Shadow Man. I liked his hair mm-hmm. and I liked his coat. Yeah, as long, wasn't it? And he was very big, like he's a like very um big performance. Quite frenzied, wasn't he? Yeah, I did find him to be quite uh intimidating. There's a bit where he was like sort of Tensing his wire because he garrots his victims. Yeah. He sort of does this like really sort of elaborate like oh, yeah. the martial arts move. Tom's yeah, doing yeah. It, like, and he's just sort of yeah, very really playing to the rafters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom, is, Tom is very much enjoying uh, thinking that through. So he's also known as the scrapbook killer, wasn't he? Because mm-hmm. yeah. he takes photos from his victims' wallets. Mm. And it's a bit of a stretch to assume he's making a scrapbook with them, but yeah, mm, he does have photos in the back of his car, as it turns out, in a mm. book. Scrapbook. Uh, well, we don't know. She's it's usual, isn't it? For a serial killer. Well, I think he calls himself Shadow Man. Yeah. Because he's okay. a big fan of the. Well, okay, could have better comms then about correcting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he should have taken out an ad in the paper yeah. like the Equalizer did. Want to be garroted? <laughs> Call the Shadow Man. Sometimes known, regrettably, as the Scrapbook Killer. Uh, I was just looking through the, the uh, credits for that episode, but um, it was no, nothing listed, especially about the band. Mm. Um, well, I don't think that drummer was actually playing drums. No, Jeff Jeff Seitz, Seitz is the is the music performer credited, but I think he does some of the score. Mm. Um, and of course, Stuart Copeland listed as a music by credit. Quite a busy score, isn't it, Stuart Copeland? It's rather, yeah. Sometimes it got in the way a bit. I thought. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed it though. Did I you? Was, yeah, I like the theme tune. Other times, there was a bit after. Um, John Goodman had attempted suicide where the music kind of the tone just felt really off <laughs> really yeah it was just, I can't quite remember uh, I mean it wasn't upbeat necessarily but so there was just too much going on for it to kind of fit the the morose and melancholy yeah. prior oh, scene I don't think that the, the show as a whole gave you a lot of time to dwell on the more melancholy or somber yeah. names did it it was sort of like yep that's happened yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah the pacing was a bit funny it was pretty funny <laughs> well I think maybe I should drag us on to bird scoring. Yes. So I think, remember, a smaller number is a higher score. Can you read out the um, <laughs> final scores once we finish this? Oh, uh, what do you mean you want me to aggregate them? No, not really. Just... I just want you to tell us which is the highest rating. Oh, well, I can do that. Yeah. Okay, so for Press Gang Tom, you gave it a flamingo. We're still four. Okay. We're still living with Tom's skewed radio. Yeah, I, yeah, know, I know, I know. There's no consequences of that. I'm sorry. Was that Power in the Sky or press, uh, Space Peace? I think I just got six. confused. Yeah. I mean... I can't see how. <laughs> You're right, it's an incredibly intuitive scoring <laughs> okay. system. So, Glenn, you gave Press Gang a four as well, and I gave it a Golden Eagle six, because yeah. I don't like precocious children. Uh-huh. Um, okay. You wouldn't have enjoyed the first episode that we watched of The Equalizer. Because of Chris and his worst oh, association. Oh yeah, no, he was, he was a prick. <laughs> so, Tom, where did you where did you put it? Um, I liked it. Wait, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was what does that correspond to? I don't know. I liked it more than Press Gang. Really? Which so they put you three and upwards. Well, what did I give Space Precinct? Because uh, <laughs> I like. A two. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'm gonna put it as a two then, because I liked it more than Space Precinct. Okay. But I'm not I'm not prepared to give anything a one. Well, let's say it's it, let's say that's two ostrich. Well, let's say it's kind of like a mo and an ostrich had a baby. But we'll just say it's we'll interbird. Oh, I'm not gonna get into that. Interbird relations. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna get into that. Must happen. Probably. What are you doing? Um. Yeah, Sparrowhawk, for example. Ooh. Oh, can't imagine. I'm going to give it three. Oh, a Gastornis. Although, oh, it's so hard to say without thinking about past ratings. 
Uh, you gave Pie in the Sky three as well. Did I? So you must have that out. I'm going to give this a two, then fuck it. Right, you as well, huh? Yeah. I, um, because I've been a lot more sensible with my rating. Well, no, I gave Space Peace into three. I don't know what I was thinking. Tom and his action figure. <laughs> that, was, that was distracting. <laughs> I gave Pie in the Sky a two. Golly, really? Oh, well, that's because of the first episode was strong, and then it went downhill. The one with Tom and I didn't see. <laughs> the one we're technically not reviewing. Yeah, I well, watched it. Michael Kitchen. Uh, uh, I'm going to give it a three. 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 Okay. That was pretty good. That's pretty high. I, just, I don't know. I just find it a bit... I found it a little bit jarring, I suppose. Is that the highest rated F the show thus far? Um, well, not thus far, but this season. No. Um, that matches Pie in the Sky for, for 223. Um, so I can tell you that. Say that later. You're getting some work. You're getting some work. I'm just here talking about bird ratings. Just like I do every day. Right, okay, so. Um, the worst rating seems to have gone to time after time. Good. Yeah, that was... Which we got one right. Universally gave eight to CAC. CAC. A poem. Oh, yeah. yeah. Emphasis on the CAC. And, yep, yeah, Pie in the Sky and the Equalizer are tied for first position. Two, two, three. It's probably about right. I mean, I don't know the score, yeah. but those probably were the best. They were. Ones. They were, yeah, conceptually the strongest. Yes. Yeah, it's just so, a shame. You know, Space Cops... Yeah. Cops in space. Where did that one come from? Kind of middling. It was yeah. two, four, three. What else did you watch? They watched Nights. They watched Nights. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Mm, not going to the school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was well, it? Is it quiz time? Right? It is quiz I think time. It is quiz time. The final quiz of the series. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good one. Um, so we talked a lot about it. Um, rock stars on screen. Yeah. I know we've done. Uh-oh. Uh, screen stars do music so this is the flip side of that um, so these are basically musicians who have performed acting roles and I want some information um, question number one which titan of rock starred in Fight Club which oh I know this title of titan rock star oh sorry rock musician Fight Club um yep Tom's got it <laughs> oh hold on I mean, Come on, this is the easiest one to keep. So oh, if you're struggling right. now, it's going to be a, a long. Well, I mean, did you not get anything from my uphole earlier? Oh dear. Uh, Keith Bosley Osborne, which is not correct. Tom put Meatloaf, which is correct. Meatloaf? He was actually in, uh, what's his face? Uh, Equalizer. Yeah, I think that's where I got this from. I was saw he? It on yeah. Oh, I, I've got to watch that one. Do you like him? Come in, I like Meatloaf, yeah. yeah. I don't mind it, I wouldn't seek out his. Works. Have you, oh. have you, have you seen it? Exactly. I've the, the, not the seen it, end. and I don't intend to. Because really? he's not in it. Just like I went, to, I saw We Will Rock You, and oh, it's God. just really did you? Yeah. <laughs> did, did someone buy you an awkward ticket? Tickets. <laughs> 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 uh, question two: In which film does Stuart Copeland's bandmate Sting play Ace Face? Uh, Ace Face. Don't know what that is, but okay. Tom's got it. Quadrophenia. Keith puts uh, June, which he is, he in. is in. Unlucky. Uh, question three. Which musical brothers played the craze in the 1990 film of the same name? Oh, Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Still in it, just. The Kemp brothers from Spandau Ballet. You kind of squinted, is it? Well, it's not that. Oh, there it is. Let me know what's going on. Uh, question four name the 1979 Nick Rogue film that Mick Jagger made his film acting debut in Mick Jagger (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can sort of picture that's the irritating thing I don't know performance Tom got it good film good film where was it and question five the singer of which Mancunian indie band appears in Batman Begins Batman Begins oh god I know this 
God, I should know that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom's got a five subject. Batman Begins. No one's replaying the film in my head. Oh, God. In real time. In real time. <laughs> it's not a long film. <laughs> Uh, it's a blink and you'll miss it kind of cameo, so I wouldn't okay. rely on that. Do I get extra points for knowing the name of the character? Mm, if you want, that doesn't really matter. Katie Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favourite Mancunian indie band, Katie Holmes. It was James Tim Booth from the band James. No, Playing that. Victor Zaz. Yeah, that's uh, a bonus point. Dr. Zaz. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> Dr. Zaz, Dr. Zaz. No, uh, that's, that's an ape. Yeah. Thanks, Graham. That was fun. It was fun. Depends who asked, I suppose. <laughs> you, uh, three you did win that by four points. Yeah, that's a big I think that might have been your, your highest. Uh, yeah. and, the big, and the bonus point. Mm, I'm not sure I'm including that. Uh, yeah, so to really look good. at this, you have just scraped an overall win for this series. Just scraped. Just <laughs> barely. By how many points? I'm not, I'm not adding up the points. Just no. like the number of Too wins. Oh, it's, it's fine, it's not many points, I mean. It's actually barely over zero. Yeah, so decimal, yeah. So, <laughs> well, okay, it's sign-off time. So it's good to let them know. Yeah, well... We're finishing now. They're like, they're like boundaries, aren't they? They're like routine. Otherwise, yeah. they get confused. So, uh, well, yeah, that, that's the end of this series. Hopefully, uh, we won't keep you waiting as long for the next set. If we do another set, um, no one's to blame. <laughs> Tom. Uh, <laughs> that's too obvious. Uh, huge. Tom. Tom H. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for listening to the Spyro Talk Presents Equalizers. Um, Tom, would you, <laughs> would you like to say goodbye, Tom? Bye, folks. Graham. Goodbye. See you around.